Hello, and welcome to the Frontier Strategy Group podcast series. FSG is the leading emerging markets information and advisory services firm. We partner with business leaders at over 200 multinationals by providing them with research, analytical tools, and proprietary data that help power their emerging market business strategies. The focus of today's podcast is a discussion with FSG's lead China analyst, Danny Yang, about her recent report titled China 2020 Outlook and Scenarios. My name is Richard Leggett, and I'm the CEO of Frontier Strategy Group. Danny is joining me today in studio. As a reminder, this research and all of our content is available via our portal at portal.frontierstrategygroup.com or via your FSG iPad application. Danny, welcome. Thank you, Rich. Good to be here. I'd like to structure the discussion, if we could, into two parts. First, let's spend some time on the big picture, the economic and macro backdrop of China and how that will trend over the next several years. And then we'll shift to implications and scenarios for the MNCs. So the subtitle of your research is Preparing Multinationals for China's New Normal. And let's just start right there. What do you mean by new normal? It is clear that the country's growth is slowing. China has been having this economic boom in the past three decades with an annual growth of about 10% every year. And right now, that is unprecedented in any nation's economic trajectory. But right now, FSG expects China's future economic growth rate to be around 6.2% during 2015 and 2020. President Xi mentioned the phrase new normal for the first time last year during the APEC uh, summit. And he said that a new normal of China's economy means slower growth, but at the same time, there will be upgraded economic structure driven by innovation and also domestic demand. We can see that China's economy is indeed slowing, and I think the central government is well aware of the fact that the slowdown is inevitable for China to go through this transformation. And they are willing to withstand the temporarily slower growth and also financial volatility during this process. But the question is, it's still very ambiguous how fast they would like this transitional process to be, especially with um, right now investment going downhill faster than they expected and domestic consumption still remains very soft. So with this new normal, and again, I, I think that the growth spread between China and let's say other developed markets given China's size is still very sizable. But given this new normal, when you look out to 2020, what does the economic slowdown look like and how does it trend? There are mainly three drivers for China's economic slowdown. First of all, um, of course, investment activities are losing its momentum to sustain GDP growth in China. China's property market only grew by 10.5% in 2004, compared to 2013, which is 19.8%. And this downward trend is unlikely to be turned around immediately, together with the weakening industrial production. Much of China's economic growth in the past few years is attributable to the industrialization process during the shift from agriculture to industrial sector. Now this engine of growth is slowing, and it's difficult to see the huge expansion again for 20 or 30 years ago. The manufacturing PMI is showing declining trend, so further adding to the concerns, China's manufacturing activities have cooled down. The other aspect is that it is very hard to further expand China China's trade sector because the global trade share for China it has already been very large and right now many of its um, international partners are also slowing down. China had a record high trade surplus last month due to imports falling much faster than exports. So this indicates 
weak demand both domestically and globally. So this is something to worry about. And China last year missed its GDP growth target for the first time in history. So I would say that the economic slowdown in China、uh, was a little bit faster than the government had expected. The third factor, of course, it's its soft demand. It's still not seeing much positive sign to be boosted effectively. So, just to be clear, a baseline scenario here is a slowdown, but somewhat of a soft landing for China. And under that scenario, it's critical for China to boost domestic demand.、Uh, how how does that happen? Of course, China is the most populous country in the world, and it has a domestic market with huge demand potential. Right now, the、uh, domestic consumption only accounts for less than forty percent of the country's GDP, which is a lot slower than other major economies in the world. And right now,、um, it is time for China, of course, to unleash its enormous economic potential in domestic demand. And also for China's government,、uh, investment and exports are very sensitive to the performance of other international players as well. So it is also much more sustainable for China to rely its growth on domestic sources such as、um, domestic consumption. So、um, for MNCs, of course, there are a lot of opportunities there because the urbanization reforms will increase household income and more people will be capable and willing to buy. And as China、uh, liberalizes the market for more foreign investment, this is also attracting more foreign capital. The recent regulation to allow for foreign-owned e-commerce companies in the Shanghai Free Trade Zone is one good example. Okay, I have two more quick questions on the macro picture, and then we'll dive into the implications for clients. But we just talked about this being a baseline scenario. I'm curious, in in the course of your research, how many smooth landings you've uncovered, and why we think this could be a smooth landing. Or another way of asking the question is, what could go wrong with this picture? Could we see a shock to the system? I think there are mainly two challenges ahead of China. The first, of course, is China's pace of deleveraging. China right now has a very high level of local government debts, which has Has helped boost、um, provincial economic growth in the past few years. Right now, as the government tries to limit these excessive debts and also the shadow banking activity, the declining credit growth will be further hurting the local property markets. Actually, in the Events to Watch report that FSG published last year, China's potential financial risk was listed as one of the scenarios with the highest impact on global economy. And what's worrying is that when I try to look for a similar case. Historically, of other major economies effectively tightening their credit and at the same time trying to cool down their property market and、uh, without a hard landing, I didn't find one example. This is showing worrying sign for China. The second fundamental issue is about China's consumer confidence. Even though China is trying to boost its domestic consumption, urbanization is the key policy drive. But Chinese consumers have this very traditional habit of saving rather than spending. So how To effectively unleash this potential and how to further increase domestic demand, it is imperative to see more effective reforms in that area. So, interestingly, kind of the opposite problem with the United States. In China, they want people to spend money, but they want to save instead. And here, we have the opposite problem. And secondly, with China's economic slowdown, whether it's smooth or volatile, which is you know probably a more likely scenario, how do you see the global landscape being impacted? I mean, obviously, China is such a critical trading partner to so many major developed markets in the world, as well as a number of the bigger and、uh, faster-growing emerging markets. Yes, as China's economy is cooling,、uh, of course, the global market is losing some momentum to expand. China. 
definitely contributes to the global oil price slump because the country's manufacturing is slowing down. And like you mentioned, for the development of many emerging markets in Asia, countries that are really heavily reliant on the China's economy, such as、uh, Australia and Malaysia, will suffer slowdown, of course. And for many of the、uh, Latin American countries, because they have close commodity trade、uh, links with China, Brazil and Venezuela, for example, because of lower commodity prices and China's imports decline, they are suffering in their trade sector as well. So, in the worst case scenario, even though not very likely to happen, if China's financial system crashes and、um, the country is left in a long period of recovery, this would lead to a hard hit in the global economy as well. Right. Let's hope that doesn't happen. Let's shift though to an implications for our clients, and and I'm going to ask you to put your now your your multinational executive hat on. And with all the changes domestically and in the global economy as a result of China's economic transition, how can MNCs best position themselves to win in China 2020? And I thought maybe we can narrow this down. In your report, you cover ten themes, and we won't have time to cover all of them. But I thought they were neatly categorized into opportunities, mixed blessings, and challenges. Challenges, and maybe we could kind of hit the high points for each. So, why don't we start with the opportunities? If I'm a multinational, where do my opportunities stem from? What are those themes? And urbanization is one major driver of China's future economic growth. We've touched upon it several times in this conversation. What is the country's plan for urbanization reforms, and how do foreign companies benefit from that? Regarding the urban reforms, the、uh, new national urbanization plan. Is about moving 200 million people from rural areas to urban areas by 2020, and、uh, one important. We should be in the moving business in China. It sounds like. Yeah, it's all about migration and moving in China. <laughs> one important reform is to encourage industry、uh, clustering. In different city clusters, so that businesses can enjoy、um, economies of scale and also enhanced supply chain. The government is also planning to reform the national hukou system. It's a household registration program where all of the social、uh, welfare of a Chinese national is tied to one area. This will help the government better control the rural urban migration. The third point is that as China initiates more infrastructure projects, there will be better public transport. Systems such as high-speed rail. This will definitely enhance the inter and intra-cluster mobility and further benefit MNCs distribution. As a result of these reforms, we would expect to see the rise of a sizable middle class in China. So this is offering more opportunities for MNCs to grow. Okay, and we have a pretty detailed report on that urbanization trend in and of itself, which I'd encourage our listeners to read. With regard to the mixed blessings, what exactly do you mean by this term? I think I understand it, but I want I want to have a good example of a mixed blessing and the actions that multinationals can take to capitalize on it. By mixed blessings, I mean that there are a few long-term trends that MNCs need to track constantly because they offer both opportunities and risks, and、um, it's critical for MNCs to adjust their business strategies in response to these trends to make better business decisions.、Um, Um, one good example would be China's evolving demographics, because the population is aging, the workforce will be shrinking and also younger. So this requires more flexible talent management strategies for MNCs.、Um, for example, the younger workforce will be under more financial pressure than their parents because the cost of living in China is rising, and also、um, they are under this one-child policy. The influence will get larger by 2020 or 2025. On the other hand,、uh, this more 
elderly population also offers a new market segment for MNCs to break into in terms of、um, healthcare products and also various consumer goods. In terms of better telemanagement in China, MNCs need to have more specific employee value proposition in order to target at the younger professionals in China. Right now, China's state-owned companies and also private companies are showing increasing appeal to local employees because they offer attractive benefit packages and also more. Promotion activities under this tough telemanagement, foreign firms will need to invest more in retirement saving programs and also provide continuous training programs. China's younger professionals will soon be under this four-to-one issue, which means that the only child will be responsible to take care of both parents and also four grandparents. This is a huge burden. So MNC is shifting the focus from. Um, the individual to entire family and provide compensation packages and benefits to the entire family. This would be a big differentiator. Great, and then、uh, I want to just end with one last question around the third category of themes,、uh, which are risks and challenges that need to be mitigated. And I thought we could pick one of these and the actions you recommend、uh, for clients. Sure.、Um, I think one of the biggest challenges is that the market is just not as cheap anymore. The rising business costs in human resources, in raw materials, and also transportation logistics are likely to persist in the next few years, and also threatening MNC's bottom lines. Whether to go wide or go deep in China have. Always been on the minds of senior executives of MNCs. MNCs can actually choose one or choose both, following a profitable expansion sequence to prioritize their strategies. More specifically, to business costs, the average wages in China's urban units have more than tripled since 2004, and this is placing a lot of pressure on MNCs. So, even though right now effective HR solutions are still available in Second-tier cities, but as urbanization takes its course, it's likely that the gap will be closed very soon. And transportation logistics in inland cities still remain a challenge because a lot of the infrastructure is、uh, not complete in inland cities. But under China's urban reforms, economies of scale will be promoted through more public transport projects and infrastructure projects. These initiatives will effectively eliminate the cost disadvantages of the inner. Provinces, making it easier for multinationals to expand into inner cities in China. Another important point is that MNCs must carefully evaluate their production location choices because even though in lower cities the costs are generally cheaper, but MNCs need to study more closely about different city cluster specializations before they make their plan to invest. And if manufacturings in ASEAN countries prove to be cheaper than、uh, relocating production facilities to lower tier cities in China, then outsourcing manufacturing to neighboring cities such as、uh, Vietnam and Indonesia could also be a cost-saving strategy. The last point is automation is also recommended as a way to reduce costs. Okay, Danny, thanks for these amazing insights. We we've barely scratched the surface of this、uh, this report, so I'd encourage everybody to. Read the full report, and I think this is obviously、uh, a critical time in the most critical of the emerging markets, and so、uh, the timing couldn't be better for this. As a reminder, you can speak with Danny 
or any member of the FSG research team at any time by scheduling via your FSG client relationship director. You can also access our entire China research collection and leading indicator data, including our new provincial data on China, on our portal at portal.frontierstrategygroup.com. This concludes our podcast. We wish you great outperformance across your emerging market portfolio.